Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Jock Jones, welcome to the Center of the Universe. Thank you for having me. It's great. I guess we should mention that you and I connected through Tim Sutton. Yep. How do you and Tim know each other? Oh, from Lee Davis. He was a good friend. He's good friends with my oldest sister. And I've known him practically my entire life. That is awesome, man. Uh, I am, uh, I've always wondered, because I've known you by name I, I from high school football lore. I've always wondered where the name Jock came from. Oh, man. Uh, my grandmother, she was a big fan of Jock Mahoney, who was a writer. Okay. Wrote a lot of Westerns. And, she, and a lot of them got converted into movies. But she was a big fan of his, and she read a lot of his books, and so she named me Jock. Uh, I assume that it was because they knew you were going to be an athlete. Yeah, I wish she, I wish I could say she was a prognosticator, but she wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you have uh, a few siblings, right? Which number are you out of the five? Is it five? I am four. It is five of us, and I'm fourth oldest. <laughs> okay, not not second youngest. Not second youngest, fourth oldest. <laughs> so you're the third middle kid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, both brothers and sisters. Yep, I got an older brother. Uh, had had two older sisters. One passed away back in '97, oh, and I have a younger sister. Okay. All right, that's a lot going on. What was it like uh, growing up? Well, it was it was tough, man. I mean, I don't know if you know the whole story there, but uh, my parent, my mom, was actually uh, killed by my father, mm. and uh, went to jail. And so we got adopted by relatives on her side of the family. And no one family could take all of us. We were just too, just too many of us. So we got split up, but we all managed to live right beside each other. Uh, you know, back in the back in those days, you know, families bought big plots of land and built homes on there. And everybody just just like a one big communion. Got, so got we the, the Jones compound. Yeah, the Jones compound. Um, and so, uh, my brother and, and my youngest sister lived right beside me and my oldest sister lived on the other side of, of them. And, uh, my sister that passed away, me and her lived together. Wow. Well, yeah, we the same school, did everything together. We just didn't go to the same house at nighttime. Yeah. That's how old were you when, when all of that? Um, was, when I, was, I was like two. So you don't really, re- do you remember your mom? Nah, not at all. Is your, your dad, what's... Where's he no, he got out of he got out of prison about seven or eight years later and uh, committed suicide himself. Oh my gosh, Jock, that yeah. is that's some tough stuff, man. Yeah, man, it's, it's it was it was tough, but you know that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> so, who you call mom today? Uh, who is she to you? She, she's really my aunt. I always tell people we're like a bad redneck family, man. We're, you know, we, we got adopted by my, like my brother is not only my brother, but he's my uncle. <laughs> Cause he got adopted by, you know, he, you know, they did the paperwork. It wasn't just us going to live with them. They actually adopted us and took us as their own kids. And so, so they were legally your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And uh, she's still mom to this day. Still mom to this day. Where is she and what's she up to? She's in South Carolina. Okay. Yep. She remarried years ago, back when I was in college. 
And uh, they decided when they retired, they went back. To, they went back home. That's where that's where both of them are from, South Carolina. Got you. And uh, so, but you grew up in Mechanicsville, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And so when I when you or I say Mechanicsville, do you mean Mechanicsville proper, like near the windmill, or it sounds like you were out in the country a bit? I was closer to Ashland. Oh really? Yeah, I was. I was right at that border between going to uh, Patrick Henry or going to uh, Lee Davis. Wouldn't that have been something if I had went to Patrick Henry with Donnie? I was going to say uh, another mile or two to the to the west yep. might have had both of y'all in the same day. Pretty much that was it. Another mile or two that way, and I would have been going there. That's great. So uh, for our listeners, because a lot of them are from uh, where you and I are from, get, be more specific about where the, the compound was. So I'm um, off of Sliding Hill Road um, over by Hanover Industrial Air Park. Yep. Okay. Right across the street from it, just about. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot going on back in the day, but it's man, it's it was nothing but woods, woods and uh in in a road, sliding hill road, uh, and that was about it. And we we ran through those woods. We had natural springs across the street from us that oh, we wow. used to, that we used to get water from and and drink from. And man, but it was nothing but woods back then. And so uh, I imagine uh, you were you're you and I are about the same age. I imagine when you weren't in school, you were outside a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. We 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 never stayed in the house. I mean, that was like the worst thing to do is is be in the house. So I, I remember drop, riding my bike from my house to Lee Davis. <laughs> you know, back then it's called Mechanicsville now, but it's uh, but yeah, riding my bike, you know, all that way and just over to friends' house. That's how we found each other and and hooked up and uh, played all day. You had to get on that bike and ride. <laughs> yeah, get on the bike and ride. Uh, your 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 mom didn't have a clue where you were. Probably she was out. She was working. He with my dad was working. So we when they left. Sometimes you know if we were if we trashed the house so bad the day before they just they actually get us up and lock us out of the house and we weren't allowed to come back in it until they got home. <laughs> so were you all uh, using your imagination running around the woods or were you all playing sports? I imagine you were playing sports. Oh, we played a lot of sports. We played a lot of, uh, played, played a lot of stuff in the woods too. Cowboys and Indians, you know, uh, just everything. Tarzan, just everything you could possibly imagine. Wait, how, how did Tarzan work? Oh man. You know, we had the, you know, you have those trees that had those vines on there. Yeah, so some of them we we got our dad to cut some of them. We were able to swing from from one tree to another just about. <laughs> wow, that's that's really cool. We had those vines too, but we never cut them or or mess with them. Yeah, yeah, my dad cut some of them and uh, lap. So we had we could swing on them, and so we we had fun. A lot of ticks. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, were you a blue star cowboy? Yep, I sure was. All right, so uh, are you a, a Dallas Cowboys fan? No. Who's <laughs> your NFL team? So, you know, I really don't have one nowadays. I, I tend to root for the teams, the teams I played for, which was Cleveland and Arizona. But, you know, I, I, root, for, uh, I root for Tampa because Bruce Aarons is the head coach down there. And, of course, he played at Tech. And, all the, you know, just all the great things he's doing there with his staff and, um, and with the team itself. You know, he's, I, really, I really pull for him wherever he is. When he was at Arizona, I pulled for Arizona even harder. Yeah, I think I told you I, I I'm a Tampa Bay fan. Yeah, I, I'm a Bruce Arians fan. One one because of the tech connection, and two because he's coached my favorite team. But he's moving to the front office. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a bigger story behind that. Uh, <laughs> do you know it? Uh, I know bits and pieces. 
And I won't ask you because it sounds like uh, you were told in confidence, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all good. All right, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no point in that happened. Yeah. Uh, did you just play football or were you playing a bunch of sports as a kid? I played a bunch of sports. I played basketball. I did track and field. Um, I played baseball in the ninth grade, but I didn't play any in, in high school. But I got scholarship offers in basketball and football. I mean, in basketball, football, and track and field. But they were the track and field and – Basketball was smaller sport, was smaller schools. Well, it's funny you said you played in ninth grade, uh, but didn't play in high school because back in the day, uh, Stonewall was seventh through ninth grade, right? Yeah, no, it was uh, eight, just eighth and ninth. Yeah, your year was just eighth and ninth, and then a year later, my year it was seventh through ninth. Yep, yep. They they started adding on. I don't know what it is now. Is it middle school now? Yeah, I think it's six through. Yeah, it's six through eight. Six uh, through eight. School. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah, had nine through twelve for high school. Yep, yep. What was your favorite sport, uh, say, in, in junior high? So in junior high, it had to be baseball. I love baseball. I actually went to Tech because I wanted to play baseball there, too. Back then, they used to be – they, they the Bill Dooley, who was the head coach when I was there, uh, used to let their players do two sports. Um, if they wanted to play baseball or do, run track or something, he'd let them do that in the spring as well. But then Frank Beamer came in, and they said, pick a sport. Since I had a since I had a scholarship in football, I said I better pick football. <laughs> well, and part of the reason uh, Beamer was successful was like, hey, if you're going to be on the football team, you are a football player. You're not a football and a baseball player. Yep, yep. He wanted he wanted people who were committed to the sport, and you know, it it worked out for the best. You know, it's so funny because when I uh, was being recruited for football, I was a I was a running back in high school, and you know, I ran for thirteen hundred yards. Average about 140 a game. I don't, I don't know. A um, bunch of touchdowns. But, you know, I was being recruited by some schools that play offense. But, like, the really big schools, you know, like Tennessee and Michigan and UCLA and Stanford, they all wanted me to play defense. And I had I, don't, I didn't really play defense in high school. You know, I was just – I played free safety from time to time when the game was over and it just needed somebody back there deep to bat down the ball. But I didn't play a lot of, of defense in high school. And so I thought these teams, I was like, how the heck did they get to be as good as they are making decisions like this? I'm a running back, you know? This is what I do. So I get to Tech, and, you know, for the first year, I'm, I'm on offense. But I, Beamer comes in the next year, and he pulls me into his office, you know, calls me up and says he needs to talk to me. And he says, I've got a position for you, but it's on the defense. He goes, you don't know it. He goes, but you're a defensive player. <laughs> he and I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> so he goes, I'm, he goes, I'm telling you, you just try out this position and see what you think. So I tried it that first year and fell in love with outside linebacker. Uh, I figured out, I figured I'd rather hit than get hit any day of the week. <laughs> so I, I didn't play at the college level, or, or certainly didn't play at the pro level, but I, I played in high school, and yeah, I enjoyed playing defense more too. Yeah, yeah, I did. I loved it. Yeah. So. Was it your body type? Was it the way you moved, your lateral quickness, vertical speed? What was it a, a, about you that Beamer saw that said you should play outside linebackers? Yeah, he as as he puts it, and he could have been lying, but he says he, this this position is for our best athletes. The, 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 because of, because you have to do so much, you have to rush the quarterback, you have to cover wide receivers or tight ends. 
you have to do a lot of a lot of stuff in that uh, in that defense from that position. So they, he he told me you uh, probably just said it just to get me to, to do it. But he says we put our best athletes. This, and he goes, you are one of our best athletes, so we want you to try it out. I mean, look, if I'm you, I believe what he's telling me. I believe <laughs> it worked out for the best because yeah. certainly, you know, my my sophomore year I didn't I got hurt my sophomore year, so I missed four games. But I did play quite a bit um, that year. And then I started the next two years and had a blast. All right, so let's back up. How old were you when you knew you were really, really good at football? Uh, Blue Star. So when you were like eight, nine years old? Yeah. I told everybody then I was going to be playing in the NFL. <laughs> you weren't wrong. I wasn't. I, I, I just knew it. Even even in, in college um, – I still believe that I was going to be playing in the NFL. I mean, I, I it wasn't the way I the way I played. I just had this feeling that I was the type of player that they were that they were always look for somebody who can who was athletic, who could who had speed, who was big, and who could just you know play maybe a couple of different positions. Um, and so, and with in the NFL at that time, remember they had a lot of run and shoot offenses at one time, right? So they needed. Um, big, big linebackers who could actually run, you know, somebody in there who could stop the run if they did do a draw or something, but somebody who could be in there every down on a passing down to cover a running back coming out of the backfield or a tight end. So that was, that was where the, the league was at the time. So I, I figured I, I would fit in pretty good with what I was doing at Tech. Yeah. All right. So wait a minute. When you were a Blue Star Cowboy, were you, were you just noticeably bigger than the other kids? No, you know, I, um, Football was, I was about the, I, I mean, we had guys, man, we had some great athletes come out of Blue Star. I mean, Stanley Waddy, we had, um, what was that guy named? Rudy played at uh, Patrick Henry. Um, can't think of his last name now. But, you know, my brother played at Blue Star. Um, you know, it was just something that, you know, I just knew, and when I when I played tenth grade, I didn't. I played the last year. I played Blue Star was seventh grade, and I didn't play in the eighth grade. I didn't play in the ninth grade, and then I played again in the tenth grade. And um, Coach McConnell asked me to play varsity, and uh, because they need, they wanted me to play free safety there, and also be back up to Steve Gates, who was the the, the running back. And so I played in a couple of scrimmages, and I played I played well. Um, you know, did everything they they wanted me to, and then I tore my hamstring and um, decided that you know I was going to play the, my tenth grade year on uh, junior varsity. So uh, I did play my tenth grade at junior varsity, but eleventh grade came and it's a whole different ball game. Why didn't you play in eighth grade? Uh, you know, I didn't play in eighth and ninth grade because I'd gotten hurt a couple times in in at Blue Star. I had broken my foot uh, just before eighth grade season. So I couldn't play eighth grade. And then ninth grade, I just decided not to play any sports. But I wanted to play. I wanted to play really bad. So I decided to come back out in the 10th grade. All right, so let's bounce over to baseball for a second. Uh, were you prolific at the plate? 375 batting average. Only struck out three times. That's pretty good. That's your senior year? No, that was that was, uh, that was was just in the ninth grade. Oh, I got you. That's right. You yeah. just played ninth grade. Yeah. Uh, did you hit any home runs? No, I wasn't a home run hitter. I, I mean, I had a couple, 
but I wasn't I wasn't really a home run hitter. And I and I was used a lot for designated um runner. Uh so I stole stole a lot of bases, had the speed to do that. So they put me in the game for that. If I wasn't in center field, I was stealing bases. When you played in, in ninth grade, was that a ninth grade team or a JV team? It was a ninth grade team. Okay. Yeah, it's wild, right? Yeah. Not now. Yep, not now. It's all JV. I think what is JV now? It's got gotta be well, like JV, anybody can go on JV now. I think even even eleventh grade can be JV if their their skill isn't there. But right, clearly um, back then it was usually relegated to ninth and tenth grade or something like that. JV, right on. And you did track and field. Were you all track? I was all state the first year. I did track, uh, and junior year I did um, track again. Made all state, and my senior year. After I signed those papers for Virginia Tech, they said, no, <laughs> no more sports for you. You you stay healthy and wait till you get to the Tech. <laughs> you, what were you doing? You were running 100, 200? I was, I was running the 300 intermediate hurdles, the 110 high hurdles, and I did the uh, 4 by 400 and sometimes the 4 by 200 never, never long jump, high jump, none of that? No, uh, you know, I never had a really good vertical. I, I never could. I never had that kind of a leaping ability. I had speed, but I didn't have any any leaping ability at all. And you weren't and doing 100, 100 or 200? I did the 100 and the 200, but we had guys on our team that were faster than me. Brian Jones and Alfred Nelson, Darren Carmichael. We had guys who could light it up. They were running they were running low 11s, um, high 10 sometimes. I, I was running, you know, I was running an 11-7, and that was the best I could ever get. <laughs> wow. I mean, and were those guys playing football too? Um, Alfred didn't play football. We tried to talk Alfred Nelson into playing football so many times because this dude just all we had, all he had to do was get on the outside and just run down the field and just throw it as far as you could and either count it. Yeah, <laughs> didn't man. know if he had any hands done. <laughs> it's a bummer that the, uh, athletes like that don't play football. Yep, yep. He was he was one of those, and Brian was as well. I mean, Brian was this this kid. He was just so freaking fast. But um, I mean, he would. God, he 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 dust me. But uh, didn't want to play football. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's not for everybody. What is it about football that you like so much? Um, you know, I like the I, I like the fact that it, I, obviously I like the camaraderie, um, especially when we got to Tech. We 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 were a brotherhood, man. I those guys that I played with at Tech. I mean, I called them my brothers. You know, we we went we battled and we we. We played like we had a chip on our shoulder every game, and we got we got so uh, used to being with each other that even on a football field, it was you know you barely had to say anything to each other. You just knew exactly where everybody was going to be, you know, because you had just played and you could just tee off. We had a really good defense uh, almost every year. I played at Tech, um, and I seen a year where I think we were ranked in the top ten hmm. defenses in the country. Unfortunately, we didn't have an offense that could score a lot, but we 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 sh- we didn't let people score a lot of points on us. Yeah, the tech under Beamer in particular uh, was really known for defense and special teams. Uh, I- I'll tell you when I when I w- when you and I were little kids, I had an uncle that went to tech and he would take me to football games occasionally. They were not very good. Yeah, when yeah. we were kids. Yeah, uh, but under Beamer, that y'all y'all got uh, a lot better. And then of course when. Uh, Michael Vick decided to to come to Virginia Tech. The offense, uh, but thing too. 
But let's remember something too. I want I just want to remind everybody when when Beamer took over tech the year before we were 10 and 1. Uh Dooley's last year. Yeah. We we won the Peach Bowl. That was the first year a, a Virginia Tech football team had won the Peach Bowl. <laughs> so we so we were we were he had definitely changed it. I mean, the year before that they were 8 and 2 or 9 and 2. So they had started making that turn. It was unfortunately that you know, some things transpired against him and he um, and he decided to leave the program because of because of it. But we were we were definitely on, on the right track and, and winning games. But um, it was it was his decision to leave that gave Frank Beamer the opportunity to come to, to Virginia Tech. Yeah. When I said when we were kids, I meant like in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They weren't they weren't anything back then. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah. And you're right. I forgot that Dooley's last couple of years, they definitely were much better. Ten and I mean, one. Uh, I mean, that had to be what? Top 15 in the country. Yeah. Yep. They were. I mean, they had Bruce Smith there about two years before I got there. And they had, uh, you know, Ashley Penn was there. Ashley Lee was there. All these guys were like all Americans and went on to play pro. So they they've always had um, some some star caliber athletes come through Tech and and play there even before I got there. Yeah, I wonder like a guy like Bruce Smith, he could have played anywhere in the country. Yeah, there have been some really amazing athletes that have come through uh, Tech and UVA, and a lot of them have allegiances to the state of Virginia, but. Like the city of Charlottesville and, and the city of Blacksburg, there's not a huge draw like you would expect for Southern California or to, or to play um, in, a, in a much warmer place like Florida. Like what, what is it about Virginia Tech that's attracted uh, so many strong athletes for the last, what, 35, 40 years? So, you know, when I took my visit, I took visits to UVA. I took my visits to Wake Forest, North Carolina, mostly ACC schools. Uh, Appalachian State, and there was one other school I went to, Maryland, I believe. Yeah, Maryland. I, I went to, you know, they they let you come to there all year round from time to time, but my official visits. But, you know, when I got to Tech, it just felt like home. It just, it just, it felt like this is where I'm supposed to play football. And Can you, can you put, put a finger on specifically what it was? Hmm. You know, the players were nice everywhere. Wake Forest was where I was actually before I went before I went to tech. Wake Forest had me. I was I was hook, line and sinker. I hadn't committed yet because I was uh, still going to um, go to Virginia Tech. Um, but when I went to tech, it was it was just a great experience. You know, just, you know, hanging out with the guys, going down to War Memorial, playing basketball with them. Uh Meeting the student athletes, meeting the students, uh, that, you know, that night at different functions, it just it just felt great. You know, um, not that the, that didn't happen at every college. I mean, I went to uh, at every college. They pretty much have the same setup. You come in, they wine and dine you and let you meet these the athletes, the, the other players. Um, and I really liked uh, I really liked Wake Forest. I, I liked Wake Forest because they had some of the coolest names on their team, and I just felt like I fit in. They had Michael Ramsor, they had um, Dexter Victor, they had Topper Clemens. 
And these guys are like, dude, you got to come here. Jock Jones, you got to, that is the coolest name. You got to come here and play for us. We got, we got the cool names on this team. So, <laughs> so that, I was going to go to Wake Forest, but I think the coach actually got fired that year. Uh, he was, you know, on the hot seat. So they, they kind of took a back burner. And, you know, then I went to Tech and, you know, I just fell in love with that. And I fell in love with what Bill Dooley was t- talking to me about, uh, giving me an opportunity to play. Um, I didn't redshirt. Um, I played a little bit, just seemed like just enough to, you know, ruin my red shirt <laughs> uh, my first year. So, you know, he was he was a man of his word. He gave me, a, gave me an opportunity to play even in my first year. It wasn't automatic, you know, red shirt like a lot of schools do with their freshmen. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm very curious. You may not have heard me say this, but I, I went to the University of Virginia. Uh, but I have a lot of family members that went to Tech to include my son who's there now. Uh, what was the UVA recruiting experience like? It was great. Um, I'm trying to think of my. I think Mike Battle was my uh, was was my host, if I remember correctly. And we've remained friends ever since. I mean, I talked to him from time to time. It's been a while, but we catch up from time to time. So it was it was great. Um, uh, a great recruiting visit. I think the college was just a little bit really spread out for me, and I liked the, the whole campus. Campus style, all the all the, the classes were right there at Virginia Tech, and you could just go from one to another. You didn't have to trek a mile and a half or get on the bus to go to your next class. And so I, I really liked the the way they had the classes uh, set up at, at Virginia Tech as well. It gets cold there though, so <laughs> yeah. My my son's a sophomore there now, and uh, he looked at UVA and Tech just as a student, and he said, "Dad, UVA's campus is weird. It's really weird." Yeah, I kind of thought that too. It's kind of it's all, it's all over the place, but you know, my nephew just graduated from the medical school there. Oh, nice! Uh, he's an anesthesiologist working, doing his uh, four years at BCU now. But he's uh, he, he graduated from there. He's he's a, he's a who now. <laughs> he's a who. He sounds like a pretty bright guy to go to medical school too. Oh yeah, yeah. He I've never seen anybody make it look so easy in my life. He's this kid just he breezed through that four years and. You know, but in his first year, he st- he was even doing third year stuff. So he was <laughs> he's just one of those kids that it just comes easy for. Yeah, uh, they're they're rare. I don't I don't know what that's like. Yeah, well, his mom's a psychiatrist and his dad's pretty smart. He graduated from BMI, so the intelligence flowed right toward him. Yeah, gen- genetics worked the right way. Sometimes. Genetics went the right way. <laughs> cool. How old were you when you knew you you were probably going to play in college? How, how old was I when what when you, when you knew you you'd probably play in college? Oh, 10th grade year, when I first started playing football, I started getting letters. Uh, the first letter I got was from North Carolina State, and they just came in every week after that. So I'm like, so, you know, it's funny story. My mom, uh, you know, she, she wasn't instrumental in me not playing because I, I was getting hurt. So she wasn't really keen on me playing. So me and my sister, actually, she, my sister who was driving, she started taking me, she was taking me to practice. You know, we were telling my mom, my mom didn't even know that I was uh, even playing football and I got hurt and I had to go home and I had to tell her. And, you know, fortunately, that same day, that letter got there. <laughs> so so I, I told her, I says, look, I says, but I'm, I'm being recruited by colleges, so you don't have to pay for my my school. And she just kind of looked at me and go, well, you keep playing, but don't get hurt no more. <laughs> How did NC State know about you? Had you 
had you already scored some touchdowns? Well, you know, back then it was um, the the coaches really were instrumental and uh, in, in, in getting you know those colleges. So he had sent them information like, "Hey, look, I think this this kid's going to be something." He had sent it to a bunch of colleges. So they, um, so he sent them some practice film. Like I, I imagine of, of me practicing, and at that point, I, I had the season had barely even started, and so um, that was. I mean, he couldn't have sent too much film because we only were in like a, a, a game or two into the season, um, and the, the letters that started coming in from just from that. Yeah, I, I imagine uh, a lot of high school coaches back then didn't send film of their players. Uh, so you were fortunate to have a coach that was thinking about that. Yep, yep. That back then it was a lot different. I mean, I, I, I feel sorry for these kids nowadays. I mean, because you know the coaches doesn't seem like they do that too much anymore. That they uh, they actually help the kids in and recruiting. It's you know they have they're they're largely responsible for recruiting themselves uh, and sending film and and you know, getting on all the websites and putting their, their, their film on there uh, for colleges to see them. And, and in the same token, colleges don't come out nearly as much, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, do as much traveling to schools to watch players like they used to. They just go to huddle or whatever, you know, uh, social media that's out there and just watch the kids from there and see. Um, that, that, ha that has to be misleading. It has to be. And, you know, some some schools have gotten caught that way because, you know, it's the you know, you you can list a kid at six, four and gets to campus and he's six, two, you know, <laughs> and, you know, not exactly the same size. So they they have I, I'd imagine a couple of colleges have gotten burned that way with with um, giving out scholarships to players that they didn't see in person. I mean, I'm sorry if I if I'm part of a program or I'm the head coach, I, I am and we're giving out scholarship money. I think I want at least one of my assistant coaches or myself to go physically yeah. see the kid on the field. They don't do it as much as they used to. I mean, I, I watched, went to my, you know, my son is uh six, three, three twenty. He's a big boy. And, um, and colleges were, were looking at him at one point, but i never saw them at the, at the, at the games from time to time. I heard a scout was there, but it was hardly any, anybody ever there. Yeah. It's uh that's strange. It's such a big business now, too. Yeah. You know, you would think with all that money on the line, TV revenue and just, you know, filling the stadium and, and winning games and uh, getting that, you know, that uh, bowl money that they would they, they would do that a little bit more often. Well, I, I, I've heard uh, Alabama has something ridiculous, like 50 recruiters. I think they're actually physically visiting a lot of kids. They probably are. Um you know, with with schools like that and their budgets, they can they can do probably a lot more than some of the other schools can because they they I mean they're paying Nick alone probably seven million, so they they can do a lot more. <laughs> There's a lot of money flowing through Alabama for their a lot of money and a lot of you know a lot of the alumni give money too. I mean the 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 people at, at who come through the alumni they give a, they give a lot. Um, like like UVA, UVA's endowment is just unbelievable. Um, how much money they have in there? They, they, their alumni give back to the school. I don't think Texas is nearly as large as theirs, um, but you know that just goes to show you that you know every school ha has that capability. But they also, you know, it's it's largely the, the alumni. They they just they they give back to the school. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's something about uh, football in in the state of Alabama where they they're just crazy. Oh, look at this roll tide! Yeah, Give me I, a break. <laughs> she's our one viewer. <laughs> who's Who's Christy? Uh, <laughs> she's a friend of mine. <laughs> Christy, do you have any questions that you've always wanted to ask Jock on a podcast? <laughs> while well, while she's thinking about that, uh, so what was the non football experience like uh, at Tech? For you, you know, I I did a um, you know, I did a lot of when I went to tech. You know, I, I started off industrial engineering, and then I saw how much math was required. So I decided not to be an industrial engineer. <laughs> so I, I switched to political science, and by the time I got to my fourth year, I said, you know what, I got one more semester left. I actually had a year, but I didn't realize that at the time, a year and a half left on my scholarship that I could have utilized. Mm. But I had one more semester left after football season. I was like, I'm trying to graduate next semester. What, you know, went and talked to my academic advisor. And we agreed if I took this class, this class, and this class, I can get a sociology degree. And I wanted to go into federal law enforcement. So mm. it didn't really matter what type of degree I, I really had. I, you know, criminology would have been great or or something like that. But as long as I had a degree, I, I probably could have gotten in, in into either, any one of those. But the um, but the the life outside of football, it was it was great. I mean, that was some of the, the funnest four years of my life. You know, just hanging out with my friends, uh, meeting meeting new friends at, at Virginia Tech. Everybody was was welcome with open arms. We, you know, I, I run into people to this day who who went to Virginia Tech and who says, "Hey, you don't remember, but we, you know, we hung out. You know, we 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 were at this place or at that place, and you know, it was just a great experience." Yeah, it's, that's awesome. And, and it, Tech was still a, a really big school back then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really big. I mean, it's it's huge now. I mean, I don't even I don't even travel on the same road to get to Tech that I used to travel because we used to have to go through Christiansburg uh, back in the day. But now they have that big loop around that takes you directly right to Tech's front door. I am I am very familiar with that loop. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, back in the day, it used to be just you had to go through Christiansburg. And uh, you know, go through that little town, and then get to Blacksburg's little town, and then bam, you're right there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, Christiansburg is a is a is a fine town, just like Blacksburg is. Yeah. What, what's the history of the sixteen squares? Is that do I have that right? Or the sixteen blocks, or whatever that is, the the old town Blacksburg. Sixteen blocks. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's like sixteen squares. I I don't know what it is, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's the original town. Oh, okay. But I guess technically Tech's campus is not part of that. Mm, probably not. I mean, I know that, you know, it's it's funny when the school's in session, it's probably about 33,000 students. But when school's out, it's probably 3,000. <laughs> it yeah. hasn't grown yeah. much since then either. <laughs> I imagine it's in the summer, it's quite uh, slow. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I spent, a, um, you know, after, you know, it's when I first got to Tech, we were on quarters. And we had three quarters that we had to do. And then we switched to semesters. So that first year, everyone had to stay for summer classes to get caught up because we were switching to semesters. And after that, you know, just because you're in, in football, you have to pretty much stay there all year round because you have all season conditioning and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, during during the off season, during when school's out of session, it's, it's a lonely place. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so, did did the coaching staff at Tech help you navigate 
trying to make it into the NFL or were you kind of on your own there? No, kind of on your own, but they certainly helped you in navigating to get your degree. I will say okay. that. Things changed after Dooley. You know, Dooley, when Dooley was there, I, I, unfortunately, my, my man was, he, he stated to us, quite frankly, I'm here to win football games. I'm not here to graduate you. <laughs> that's That's on you. So there wasn't, they didn't have a really high graduation rate. But when Frank Beamer came, one of his main goals was he thought he wants you to graduate. So they had an academic, they established an academic, you know, uh, department that helps students, student athletes with tutoring, with uh, test preparation, making sure that you're taking the right classes, making sure you go to classes, uh, just everything. If you miss class, you you had to run stadium steps. So you made they made sure that you were doing everything that you had to, to, to graduate. I mean, every, every kid could benefit from that, right? Oh yeah. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you end up uh, playing linebacker the last couple of years, last three years. Yeah. Last three years, last three years. And you, you started a couple of years, you said, uh, and were you looking forward to playing in the NFL? Were you feeling pretty good about making a team? Um, you know, I, I really wasn't really thinking about the NFL until my senior year um and after my senior year i mean i i missed four games my senior year so i only played in six games so i really didn't think i was going to be able to go into the pros drafted um because i'd missed four games but as luck has it i still got drafted so i um i was i was blessed in that capacity but you know after football season is over you know they have uh days where scouts come out so i was just i went because i wanted to you know wanted them to see me and and see what i was capable capable of and after that you know a lot of them just kept coming back just to see me um or to see me and another player so i think i, I thought my odds were pretty good the, the more they kept coming out i was like it started it's, it's it was became more of a reality to me that i was probably gonna if not get drafted, at least, you know, uh, be a free agent and get an opportunity. That's all I wanted was an opportunity. So when when the scouts came to campus, is it uh, basically like an old school version of what we call uh, today a pro day? Yes. Yep. Yep. They come to campus. They uh, we start off in the weight room. Uh, they want to see you do, you know, how many times you can do bench press. And then from there, we, we make it over to the field house and they do your vertical and 40 yard dash, 20 yard shuffle drill. And then they just they put you through a, a workout. You know, they want to see how far and, you know, how, you know they want to see me drop back. They want to see me cover. They want to see me do everything. So you're pretty, pretty exhausted after that. Uh, was the bench press 225? Yes. Has anything changed since then? <laughs> Not, nothing. Still the measuring stick. It doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the 20-yard uh, shuttle thing is probably more important than the 40-yard dash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 40 is is definitely, uh, you know, something they still use. But if you can see that person, you know, that lateral movement and it's quick and it's explosive, that, that means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you got drafted by the Browns, right? Yep. Did you did, were you pretty sure you, they were going to draft you? No, I had no idea. I wasn't even home that day. As a matter of fact, I I got a phone call early that morning from one of my knucklehead friends telling me that hey, we're getting ready to draft you in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of deal. 
So I was like, come on, man, this is too early for this. And so I get a few of those phone calls from, from friends. So I just left. I was like, man, I'm not going to sit around for this. So I went and played basketball and got back and got a phone call uh, from uh, from Cleveland. And first thing I first thing I out of my mouth, I was like, come on, who is this? Stop playing on the phone. And uh, Coach Carson, who was a head coach, then starts laughing. He goes, so your, your friends have been having some fun with you today. Huh? I'm like, is this really Coach Carson? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, this is really Coach Carson. And just let you know, we're getting ready to draft you in the, you know, with our um, with our eighth round pick. Yeah. We're ready to take you. Yeah, that's uh, did, when you were playing basketball during the draft. Could you did you have your mind off of it or? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had completely. You know, I, I, it was the second day, so it was, you know, no, I think it might have been the third day then. I think they, we, they had a few days drafted back then. But see, the second day or the third day, and, you know, they were just – it was a late round, so I was like, well, you know, I'll probably get a call at some point saying that, you know, I could, they'd like me to be a free agent at somebody's camp, and then I get to pick, you know, where I want to go. So you ended up uh, going to, to camp. And, and what I've noticed with uh, drafts the last 10 years or so is sometimes the fourth or fifth round guy doesn't make it. Yeah. And, and a handful of free agents do. And so as an eighth round pick, did you feel pretty good about making the team? Oh, yeah. They even told me. They were like, yeah, you're, you're what we were looking for. We were just glad we got you in the eighth round. It's the only thing you can do is, is screw it up. is <laughs> not come out and play like we think you're capable of. So I, I knew I was on the team. What was camp like uh, your your rookie year? So my rookie year. So I get to camp, and my first day at camp, we're going against the tight end. And I'm standing there in front, and it, who's in front of me? Ozzy Newsome. Oh, man, the man. And I'm like, oh, my God, this you're, you're Ozzy Newsome. This, I, I've watched, you know, and I'm just going through my mind. I'm not literally saying this to him, but I'm just thinking, that's Ozzy Newsome. And before I knew it, they had said hike. And he had power drive me into the dirt. Mm. And I was like, okay, that hero worship stuff's over. <laughs> it's time for me to, you know, to become a become a football player. So after that, I, I was okay. And I actually got him quite a few times. He was he was a little older at that time. Not not so good at blocking, but could still catch his butt off. <laughs> Oh, Ozzy had a lo really long career on the field, and he had a, a fantastic career off the field too. Yeah, he sure did. He was a great front office front office man. I mean, he he drafted a bunch of great players um, for, with Baltimore Ravens, and took him to that to that next level. That's for sure. I mean, I think he's one of the two guys that gets credit for that team being really good for the last fifteen years. Oh, he and he should. He he was instrumental in in a lot of the picks and uh, off season acquisitions. So he was he was definitely. Not just a front office, you know, face. He 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 was instrumental in getting those guys. You think Ozzy remembers that first time he hit you? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, camp. So camp these days with the union, uh, it, there's a lot of protections in place. They're, they're very particular about how much time is spent with full pads and and how much time they're they're spending doing certain activities. Was it like that back then? I don't think it was like that, was it? Yeah, three a days, man. And we were in pads, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was it was totally different back then. They didn't they didn't care about concussions and 
all that fun stuff when I, when I was playing. I mean, you you got a concussion. You just went to the sideline until it wore off, and then you went back into the game. <laughs> yeah, rub some dirt on it kind of thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. It gave me some smelling salt and go, okay, are you ready? How many fingers? Go on, get back in there. <laughs> do you do you worry uh, as you get older about concussions? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm looking to get, you know, with everything that's gone on in the NFL with concussions and, you know, the lawsuits and, and so forth, I'm, I'm thinking it might be in my best interest to just get my brain taken a look at because I, I did have quite a few concussions and like any football player, you just, it's just part of the, part of the game. Um, you know, any, you know, it's simple physics at some point when you have two large masses traveling at a high rate of speed collide, something's going to give. Yeah. It, it's when it's immediate, that means you've broken a bone, you may have fractured something or concussions, or it could be long-term. It could, it might, that hit might not have affected you for until 10 years later. But it's going to affect you at some point. Uh, you might need to get a new hip at some point or a new knee because of all the hitting you did from football from 20 years ago. But it's going to happen. Um, that's that's not, you know, the, the ones that come out on skate, God bless them. But, you know, more more than likely, you're probably going to need some sort of uh, intervention and uh, maybe possible surgery at some point. So I'm, I'm looking forward to them wrapping this all up and, um, and redoing whatever they screwed up because, you know, there was a lot of issues with the way they were doing the testing on players, the psychological testing to, you know, because they, the way they had it set up, you had to test, you had to take the psychological test with the neurologist first. And if you pass that, then they said, okay, he's fine. And he doesn't need to get his, get a brain scan, but as it turns out, those tests were really, really biased, and they got in a lot of trouble for that as well. So now they're trying to to fix that and just make it so. Hopefully, they're just making it so that look, if you need to get your brain taken a look at, let's let's do it, and it's it's on us if if that's the case. Yeah, that lawsuit's been going on for a really long time. Yeah, well, you know, the first one was about was about the concussion itself. The NFL just did not let us know that they knew about the the whole CTE and that whole issue, and then this. The second one that's getting ready to happen now is about the, the, the way they were doing the testing and how biased it was. And it prevented a lot of players from actually moving on to the next step. And that's that shouldn't be the shouldn't be even a, a criteria. The testing just should be there to see if you do have some cognitive issues. But even if you if you pass or fail, you still should be able to make it to the next step and actually get your brain looked at because that's where the you know, just because today you took this test and you were fine doesn't mean five years from now, you know, your brain's not deteriorating or or getting to a point where it's going to be an issue for you. Yeah, I, I didn't realize there was a second lawsuit. So the first one settled? Yeah, the, the first one settled years ago. That was for, uh, I was close to a billion dollars. And, um, but I'm pretty sure that there's getting ready to be a second one that's going to yeah, a, a billion a billion dollars sounds like a lot of money, but given all the damage that the folks have suffered playing over decades, um, billion dollars I mean, it, a lot of money. Like like the like the guy says, man, the NFL owns a, a day of the week. <laughs> you know, they own Monday yeah. night football. They own Sunday. They pretty much own Thursday now as well. So it's it's definitely a, an, an institution that has the has the resources and the revenue to 
to pretty much do whatever they want. And we just want to make sure that the, the guys are protected. I mean, we know what we're getting into, but we don't need we don't need them hiding stuff from us um, and, and not you know making us aware of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with the players, obviously. Uh, I think the only people that are with the uh, the NFL are the commissioner and the, the 32 owners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of people uh, that are, are fans of, of the game and even may have played growing up uh, when you played as long as you played, you, you learn. Uh, I imagine you you're going to agree with what I, I say. Guys that play close to the line, actually suffer much more head trauma than than receivers and uh, defensive backs. Oh, yeah. Those guys, I mean, those the guys who are on the line, I mean, those offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they're, they should all get tested. I mean, they should all be front and center because the first thing that's hitting is helmet. You know, that's they, – they're, they're, you know, they did studies on um, on short yardage and goal line plays, and that one play – of short yardage, like, like inches, there's more violence in that one play than most people experience their whole life. But you're going to do that five or six times a game, 16 games a year, you know, however long your career is that it's, it's going to do something to you. Yeah. It's um, yeah. I, I hope whatever they do. Look, I, I love the game of football. I love playing it as a kid. I, uh, I love watching it, but it, it's, it's something where uh, I, my son played football growing up, and uh, when he decided to stop playing, I was like, yep, I, I think part of me is okay with that. Part of me yep. definitely wanted him to play. Part of me was, uh, was, was kind of happy he didn't play anymore. But let me also say I think they're, they're, I think they're doing a horrible thing with football, the way they're trying to take away a lot of the hitting and, and a lot of the tackling. And, and it's just it's, – it's almost powder puff out there sometimes to me now. Compared to the old well, school Jack Lambert, you were playing three. Uh, camp was three a days, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You come across the middle, you got to, you can get tagged. You can't do that anymore. You know, just, just anything. Just you can't. A defenseless player. I'm like nobody's defenseless if he's out on the field. I mean, if he's out there, he knows he's going to get hit, and he may not see it. You know, that's that's not the issue. It's just the the fact that they're just trying to take so much away from from guys who, you know, who are trained to hit and, and trained to, you know, stop, stop the opposing player from, from, you know, getting an inch or, or pushing that player or, or to, to get an inch. Uh, it's just taken away from the game quite a bit. It's kind of, kind of sad sometimes watching it. Yeah. Well, back, back in the day, um, the, the monster was, hey, if you're a receiver, you want to score a touchdown. Well, there's a price you're going to have to pay when yep. you're waiting on a touchdown. And you know the crazy thing is, too, those receivers back in those back when I was playing, they were like five, six, five, eight. You know, they were little guys. Vance Johnson, the uh, the three amigos from. Uh, uh, then there was uh, the group up at uh, Washington. Uh, Houston Oilers had a bunch of little wide receivers. These guys, they were fearless, man. They come across the middle. They didn't care. Now you've got six, three guys, 215, 220 pounds, and won't come across the middle for anything. <laughs> yeah, that Metcalf kid out of uh, Seattle. My God. Yep. Yeah. He, yeah, he was a good friend of mine back in the day. I, 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 I touched base with him not long ago, and I still t- talked to Reggie Langhorn from, from Cleveland, um, some guys from, from Arizona. But, yeah, those guys, they were fearless, man. They, 
Reggie came across the middle. The, the, the ball had to be caught across the middle. Reggie Langhorn was he was in the mix. Yeah, I, I'm not saying they were tougher back then, but I think I'm saying they were tougher back then. They are. They were tougher back then. <laughs> you could say it. <laughs> All right, uh, what, what was your year? Uh, what was the season like in Cleveland? So Cleveland that first year. So you know, I, I was only one year removed from the fumble, um, the Ernest Viner fumble, um, and then making it to the Super Bowl. So I get to Cleveland. And obviously, this team has been in the, been the playoffs every year. You know, for the last three or four years, they're knocking on the doorstep of making it to the Super Bowl. So I get there like, yeah, I'm with the right team, man. These guys are right there at it. We just got to get past Denver, you know. Um, and that year, we won three games. <laughs> you know, we, you know, the the, the, the it's unfortunate that. Some of the coaches at the league at the time, they were older coaches, and their philosophy was, you know, I got to the playoffs with these guys. I can get back there. Well, these guys are now five years older, you know, maybe even six years older, and they're not quite as quick as they were when, when you first started winning with them. And that was our problem. We had a bunch of guys who were great in their prime, but they weren't in their prime anymore. Uh, Bubba Baker, I mean, we had some, Bernie Kosar was quarterbacking, but he couldn't throw the ball 20 yards um, by that point. Um, we had a bunch of guys who were who were playing who were, you know, they were just past their prime, and we didn't win a lot of games that first year. Yeah, They need, they need some young guys in there, and they just, they, you know, the, the coaching staff, you know, they, they really tried to rely on the older guys to get them back there. Yeah, it's tough for a franchise when the, the, the most memorable thing that's happened there, well, at least for somebody our age, is, is the fumble. That's the biggest yeah. thing. When, when people our age think about the Cleveland Browns and their entire history, that's yep. the top play. Yep, that's it. That's on everybody's mind. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, – and, and then, I don't know, you played there a year – they had a rough time, what, from 2000 until now? They've had so rough I was there actually almost two years because I was there when uh, um, I was there the first year with Carson. He got fired. And remember the next year, Bill Belichick was his first year as head coach. Oh, wait a minute. Belichick was your coach? Yep, he sure was. You remember who the defensive coordinator was? For a oh, thousand no, I don't remember. Nick Saban. Holy cow. So wait a minute, you were coached by both of those guys? Yes, I was. Oh, <laughs> Nick wow. Saban was a defensive coordinator. And um Bill was a, and you, you knew it wasn't gonna last long because two alpha males, you know, yeah, they just butted heads the entire time. So that was that was that was gonna be a short-lived um that was gonna be a short-lived uh experiment. <laughs> well, hey, so give me a memory uh you you and Belichick or you and Saban or both. So I don't really the only the only uh, thing I really have of, of with them is when they you know when obviously when a new coach comes in the one of the first thing they don't want to win with the other coaches players so as the season goes on if you haven't been a, a major contributor in some way shape or form and even if you are they're they're going to try and bring in their own players. You know they want to they want to bring in their player players that they've trusted players that have played in their system. So it's like a revolving door when the new coach takes in comes in because throughout the season you just see players going out and play, especially if you're not winning. Um, it's got it's a revolving door. So eventually around week 
nine, they got to me. And the only thing I remember was them calling me to the office going, hey, we're, we're releasing you. And, you know, we got to get some new blood in here, see if we can start winning some games and, you know, wish you luck and so forth. And that was the end of it. Yeah, new blood is code for you're not one of our guys. Yeah, you're not one of our guys. <laughs> yeah, so not great memories. Were they do you, were they good game day coaches? I mean, obviously Belichick's proven. Oh, you could you could tell that Belichick was going to win. He was going to win a lot of games because he brought in, you know, he brought in 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 things that we as a team from the previous year just didn't. So when. The year that I got there, it was just about, hey, we just need a powerful offense. We need a powerful defense. And if we don't let them score and we score more, you know, <laughs> then we're going to win games. That was pretty much it. So. But when Belichick came in, it was like, look, our offense is averaging 60 yards a drive. So we need to make sure when we do the kickoff, we need a, re- a return guy who can, you know, run the ball back, you know, at least to the 40. And 90 percent of the time we're going to score. He brought the, the the analytics in that we that we hadn't seen before, and that was something that was new to us. That you know our defense is 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 stopping them. They're only allowing thirty yards a drive, so that means every you know whatever you know they they're not going to be scoring. So he brought in all these analytics that we hadn't experienced before, but it made sense. And if you, it's, he's clearly stuck with that plan and why he's been so successful. Yeah, I think he was probably the only one doing that back then, right? Yeah, he was the only one doing it. Yeah, yeah. he was one of the first to bring it, bring it to to the NFL. The the, the that whole, you know, he looked at he they they were keeping track of, you know, not just how many first downs, but what was what's the average yards and, you know, what's you know, what, who we're playing against, what is their defense doing, and, and then figuring out how to get past, you know, what they're doing in order to win, not just exploiting their their defense from a player's, player to player standpoint, but, you know, figuring out that, you know, if we're, if we can only do this, this is where we need to be. And this is, this is how we get to that point. So it was definitely different. So were, were you let go and then some time passed before you got picked up by the Cardinals? Not next week. Uh, that was quick. Yeah, yeah. I was only out one week, thank God, because I was going. I was going absolutely nuts. <laughs> I, I can imagine because you were you're in the prime of your your yep. career. I say, oh God, is this it? Is this over? Is my career over? I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to go back home. I want to play football. And the next week they called me, flew me in, and said, oh, "We're signing you." <laughs> did, they, did, uh, did you have an agent? Yes. So was your agent hustling to get, get you hooked up with another team? Yep, yep. He was hustling, but you know, you had to clear waivers. Once I cleared waivers, it was, you know, they were the first, they had first um first pick because of their record. So they they picked me up immediately. I didn't and it was great because I was in Cleveland in November and then we had three feet of snow on the ground. And I go to Arizona and it's it's just about 80 degrees and sunny, but people are out there with sweatshirts on talking about, ooh, the hawk is out today. You know. You have no idea what the hawk is. <laughs> well, and you played for the Cardinals when they were known as the Phoenix Cardinals. Yeah, yep. Phoenix Cardinals. They had only been removed from Arizona maybe two years. Okay. Yeah, they yeah, – they, oh, yeah, they, 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 they had only been from St. Louis for two years. Right, yeah, because they – that's where they started, right? That's where the yep, franchise started. St. Louis Cardinals out in, out, out there. Um, I guess that was – that should have been kind of difficult because they had the – Baseball team, St. Louis Cardinals. Baseball team, and they had the St. Louis Cardinals football team. 
Yeah, that's so, weird, right? Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of weird. So they um so they moved. They had been there about two years when I got there. And uh I loved it. I loved Joe Bugle was a great coach. Um it's unfortunate that they they let him go because we had we had turned the turned the page there as well. And uh Buddy Ryan came in the next year. Who was your quarterback? Uh, when I got there, um Chris Chandler and uh, Steve Berline, they kind of split teams. Whoever had the hot hand got the nod. Yeah, that I, that doesn't work. No, nah, didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't we know if team that's ever won the Super Bowl that went with the hot hand quarterback. Never never has, probably never will. <laughs> that's you got to have one back there who's 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 a, who's a leader and who's, who's orchestrating it every play. And we didn't have that that year. Well, and, and then – people get better incrementally. And so if you're doing the same personnel or basically the same personnel, especially at the quarterback position, I think you're incrementally getting better over time because you're not messing with uh, the continuity and the rhythm and all that. Right. Yeah. You saw a lot of that when we, when they switched up in the game, you know, they literally were switching up, you know, every other series sometimes, or maybe every two series. I was like, Oh, but our defense was good. I mean, we had a really good defense. So, People didn't score a lot. We lost quite a few games by five points or less uh, that first year. We didn't win. We didn't win any games. We only won three games. I think we won four the second year I was there, and the last year I was there, we were seven and nine. So we were definitely getting better. We probably would have won probably ten games the next year. So we might have been in the playoffs the following year if they had to let Bugle come one more year. But we were definitely – we had some talent on that team, just young guys who wanted to play football. What happened at the end of uh, your time in Phoenix? Got hurt, career-ending injury, broke my ankle, tore it up. And, it, and it tore it up, and it's it's really hard to come back from that. Yeah, my doctor – he said – he my the doctor at the time says that, you know, you can probably play. He goes, but I wouldn't recommend it. He goes, you, you could really do some damage to your ankle next time – might have to walk with a limp the rest of your life if you if you do mess it up anymore. So I decided to go ahead and hang it up. Do you feel it now, or is it? Oh yeah, when in in the cold, when it's when it's cold, when it's winter time, yeah, I feel it. And not not to go back to the, the the memory of the injury, but was it like a change of direction thing? No, I was going in on a. I had a. Um, uh, I had a call to rush a quarterback, and uh, so I. Or, had a great move on the tight end, got into the quarterback. He steps up into the pocket, and the linebacker from the other side had left his feet, mm. and he missed the quarterback and smacked my leg and broke it. Oh, that was, it was it was horrible. <laughs> my foot was pointed in the other direction. That, 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 oh, man. Yeah. When that kind of stuff happens, uh, college or pro level, and – and I know real time what happened. I'm like, I don't want to watch the replay. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news is I hit his arm and he threw an interception, but it cost me my <laughs> career. <laughs> oh, the worst part was, uh, you know, it was it happened just before halftime. So I had to sit in the locker room with my leg like that for, for the rest for the second half until they could take me to the, to the orthopedic surgeon who had to stay at the game could leave and do the surgery. So I stayed in the locker room the entire time. What? Yep. Wait a minute. They nowadays they would take you immediately oh, to the hospital. Take you immediately. Right? Not not back then. They took they for back then I stayed in the locker room 
the entire time with my leg like that. I was on I was on some pain meds. Don't worry. <laughs> I could yeah, barely you, feel it, but yeah, I stayed well, I stayed there. Was there somebody there with you to at least distract you? Yeah, there was um the girl I was dating at the time, she was in the locker room with me. And um the uh trainers, they they would come back in and check on me from time to time. But I was just I was on the I was on the gurney to, to get wheeled out as soon as the game was over. <laughs> I don't remember much, you know, because by the time I got, by the, uh, when I woke up, uh, they had done the surgery and I was in the hospital. Oh my god! I don't even remember the ride to the to the to the hospital. I think they had knocked me out prior to that. That sounds brutal. And then recovery from that probably took a long time. Yeah, it took about ten months. Whew! Lot lots of PT, I imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, that was old school too, man. Hey. That's the, that the way they do it nowadays. The training and the uh, the um, PT so much more high tech than it was back then. I mean, they it's it's flawless nowadays. The way they do your shoulder or your knee or something, but you can come back exceptionally quick nowadays. But back then, it was it was just a painful, long process. Yeah, you see a guy uh, tear an ACL or something in the preseason. And he's back before the end of the regular season. Yeah, got tearing Achilles and come back. Who was that? So that running back for yeah, that's crazy. Ram came back the same year. That's that's just insane. That's that's never happens. But that's yeah, what technology he's, he's got to be the first one to do that. But yeah, that to your point, it's it's got to be the technology. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, this is a question that we ask, and I say we because I occasionally have a co-host, but he's on some golf trip uh, to, this weekend or starting today. But and so this is his question, but I'll, I'll I'll ask it. Imagine you are a uh, talk show host. It can be late night, it can be daytime, it's whatever. It's, it's but it's your talk show. You get to decide who your guests are going to be. It's one one time only, so you got to make your selections count. These people can be alive, they can be dead, they can be people you personally know or knew. They can be famous people. It can be whoever you want. One male guest, one female guest. And then a uh, a musical group, and if you want to add a comedian, if you're a comedy person, you can add a, a comedian uh, to the to the list. So who who are your guests going to be for your talk show? For my talk show, so Satchel Page, okay, would be my male guest. Female would be hmm, boy, that's a well, hey, Jock, while you're thinking about that, why Satchel? I mean, I can make educated guesses why Satchel, but. You know, more than anything, I just want to know how old he really was. Because <laughs> <laughs> the dude was had to be like 40 when he first got into the major leagues. And I just wanted to ask him flat out, how old were you when you when you first cracked it, cracked it into the major leagues? Because he played, he played right for a lot. Huh? He played for a while after he played for a while too. I mean, that's just it. That's a dude. You you played. You had to been the oldest guy ever, but we nobody knows how old you really were. So how old were you when you first when you, they first called you up to to play in the major leagues, and um, what the experience from playing in the in the Negro leagues as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that. I, I, I started collecting uh, Negro League apparel because I, I love the jerseys. I just love all that. And uh, so, yeah, he was one of my he was one of my heroes. Yeah, so that, I, that I definitely league, want him on there. Yeah, that league was around for quite some time, right? Yep, it was, it was. And then you know, obviously they they saw the talent in there and started 
you know, pulling players from out of there, and, and they eventually folded. But um, yeah, it was around for quite a while. I mean, it was the only outlet for for black ball players at that time. So that was yeah. that was pretty pretty important um, time in history. Um, yeah, Jack, Jackie breaking into Jackie Robinson breaking into baseball. I think uh, happened seventy five years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So female. Let's see. So I've always been fascinated with Meryl Street. Okay. So I'd have her on there just to talk about just everything. Not not just acting, but just everything. Because she seems like she's pretty well versed in a lot of stuff. And she seems like a good person too. And she seems like a good person. Yep. That she will just have conversation. She'll have a conversation and she'll just sit there and, and dish about whatever she wants. Um, as far as group, it had to be Prince in 1999 group, not, not the revolution, not the revolution or any of the groups, you know, the, the sign group, it had to be the 1990 group went back from the eighties, from yeah. the eighties. Uh, I'd have them as my musical guests. Yeah. Prince was, uh, immensely talented, unbelievably talented. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good one, issues, clearly, but you know. Yeah. Uh, are you a comedy fan, stand-up comedy guy? Yep, yep, I sure am. Who's, who, who's your uh, comedian? So Dave Chappelle was my man for a lot of years, but then he started getting too political, and I just really kind of turned off to that. Yeah. But I really like, you know, I like the show that he had on, and um, I like his stand-up routine, you know, his, his old stand-up routine. But, you know, I watched his series – and I, and, you know, I probably still will watch any series when he's when he's on. But I just I wish he'd go back to the old school. Just just hate on everybody and make fun of everybody and don't try and be so politically correct and just have fun. I like humor like that. It's just humor. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Your last two uh, answers. It, well, would you bring him on? But you bring him on from like oh sure yeah yeah I'd bring him on. Uh, one of the best uh, skits from the Chappelle show was uh, the Prince play basketball. <laughs> you know, that's that one and, and the Rick James one. Oh my gosh. Oh my when, God. When, uh, when, when Murphy was talking about his, his, uh, his, his, his time with Rick James and all the shenanigans they got in. Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. That's yeah. right. That was hilarious. Eddie's older brother. Yeah, that that's uh, definitely one of the top three skits from, from that show. <laughs> well, that was when the show was funny. You know I mean, it was it was just it was it didn't matter what it, what the topic was. He just made it funny, and then he started listening to people and you know their opinion on you can't say this or say that. And I was like, oh man, forget it. Yeah, and he started conforming to it, and I was like, okay, you you got to get back, man. You got to get back to it. Yeah, comedians aren't supposed to conform. That's part of They're the not. Law. They're supposed to make fun of everybody. Nobody cares. Right. <laughs> and if they do, forget them. <laughs> yeah, move on. Move on. <laughs> right on. All right, so tell me about your family, Jock. So my brother was um, older. He was uh, – he played football, played football at BMI. Um, my sister, Tracy, went to JMU. My other sister, she went to one year of college. My younger sister didn't go to college at all. Um, I, I have a son, um, who's 18, just turned 18. Hopefully he'll be going off to college soon. He's got, he's got accepted to a few co colleges. So 
we're looking forward to, to what his final decision is and hopefully be in state and somewhere nice and cheap. <laughs> yeah, he's looking at a few out of state, but uh, hopefully he'll stay in state. Yeah, my my uh my daughter's pretty much made up her mind and she's going out of state and it's, oh, like, man. it's private and oh, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's got a couple of private ones, but they're also they've offered uh, scholarships. So that'll make it a little bit easier. So we'll we'll weigh we'll weigh them all and see which is the best best option financially and yeah. See what we I, get. Well, what, whatever works out uh, for him, but also for you, right? Because it's uh, it's not just him. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I just tell him, man, any college you go to, you're going to get a great education and doesn't have to be 2,000 miles away and some out-of-state school. We have plenty of great schools right here. I mean, the whole time I was in college, I, I, uh, I wanted to – I was always going to pick a school in state. Um, I think in the end, that was what I wanted to do, even though Wake Forest was in there. Um, I said, you know, if I can if I can stay in state, I'm going to stay in state because I, I just felt like all the good talent always goes out of state. And even to this day, I still say, God, why are, you know, why are these kids going down to Clemson or going to all these other schools when we have great schools right here that they can make better? Yeah, great schools right here, uh, whether you're an athlete or a student. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you the number of kids that are out of state at Tech that come to Blacksburg just for school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, but that was the, that was the push, and that was, I think, the downfall of Fuentes um, was that he was, you know, he didn't tap into the the in-state um, athletes here, um, and he, you know, we lost the seven five seven, and Virginia Tech owned the seven five seven for years. Four years. We Four lost. Years. So I, I say we, I, I'm a UVA guy. We lost 757 to tech for about 20 years, maybe mm -hmm. longer. Yep. Uh, and then the fact that y'all techs lost 757, that's a problem. Yep. So, but you know, it was funny because, you know, Frank Beamer's downfall was actually Mike London. Mike mm -hmm. London was a heck of a recruiter. And got a lot of those players. You know, they start. He started getting the seven five seven back, and so that hurt us more than anything. And that's when you started seeing us go from you know ten and one every year to nine and two or eight and three. We started. We it started affecting us. So he was really instrumental in you know our our downfall in tech. And and Frank Beamer, you know, finally decided to hang it up. You know, it's, um, it's, un it's unfortunate he couldn't really, you know, muster anything with all that. But he he was definitely instrumental in in getting a lot of the seven five seven coming back to, you know, he would he was such a great recruiter. He would take the team down to the seven five seven and practice down there and invite a bunch of the kids to come to the practices. That's that was powerful and it worked. Genius. It was it worked so. He definitely um, was a great recruiter. Uh, hopefully, and wish him all the best at William & Mary because I'm, I'm sure he can turn that program around. Well, you, you, you're talking about uh, got scouts not really showing up in person. They're just watching stuff online. And and Frank, back in the day, is taking his whole team down to the 757. It's great. Yeah, that was that was, that was was pretty, pretty smart. <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I love it. All right, yeah. so uh, I guess – Last couple of uh, topics here. Is the Tech Football Alumni Network pretty strong? Is that group pretty strong? Are y'all pretty tight across the generations, or is it more who you played with and that's who you keep in touch with? 
pretty much who you played with. But things are changing. I mean, I, we can see it. We have we have meetings and we have Zoom calls with with um, the Monogram Club trying to get us trying to get the players. One thing that I think uh, was Fuentes downfall as well as well was that he didn't utilize the players, the older players, like he should have. Yeah, I mean, we're in the we're in a lot of the towns where these players are. He could have utilized us a lot better, um, and he did. He chose to just not want to deal with us at all. So, um, so things were really, really bad when he was there from a player standpoint because we didn't get a lot of the the perks that we were getting when Frank Beamer was there. Like I could call up when Frank was there and say, "Hey, I'm coming for a game and need a couple of tickets," and boom, they were there. But you couldn't yeah. do that. You couldn't do that when when Fuentes was there. Yeah, and, it seems like a bad move, right? Because there are guys like you that live where you live, and there's plenty of talent. Plenty of talent. I can go over to that school and talk to that kid, and or talk to the coach, or, or whatever the case may be, and I would have done it and have done it in the past, you know, for for other players. But now, you know, but. Now it looks like it's trying to get back to that. The coach seems to be very receptive and they're trying to make us feel even more at home and more welcome than, than, than ever before. So I like the direction it's going. Very cool. Who are you tight with uh, in high school on the football team? Who were who your favorite player to, to play with? In high school? Yep. So um, Melvin Gates was played on my team. He's uh, We're still friends to this day, still hang out. Uh, we still catch up, still still do everything. I'm still friends with quite a few guys from from the football team. To be quite honest, yeah. Um, a bunch of a bunch of classmates still keep in touch with them. But uh, Melvin from the football team is probably Eric Eric Davidson was our tight end. Uh, still keep in touch with him. He was a great athlete. Went to, went on to play at VMI, uh, running back as a matter of fact <laughs> at VMI. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, so keep in touch with them too. How about tech? At tech, I mean, I still keep in touch with my roomies. Um, we we from just about every other day, we're on a on a text thread and a <laughs> group thread and talking about this or that or whatever's going on at tech or whatever's going on in the world. So I still keep in touch with all those guys too. Who uh, say their names? Sean Lucas, Ernie Davis. Carl Borden and Scott Rice. Nice. You guys have been thick for for decades now. Decades, man. We got in a lot of shenanigans at Tech. Thank God we didn't have cell phones with. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be getting out of jail right about now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but they, they can only catch you once, and then you go away for a little bit. So you couldn't have done all those shenanigans. Oh, but it's all but it's always there in the cloud. <laughs> Uh, how about it in Cleveland? Did you have a favorite player too that you played with? Um, no, Cleveland was was kind of wild. You know, they were very cliquish. Oh, you know, really? They, yeah, they were very cliquish. The older guys. I mean, I, we hung out, um, you know, at nighttime. But they were, you know, the older guys were, you know, they they just they were just the older guys, and they just, you know, they treated the rookies kind of crappy. <laughs> I, I don't but, think you can win like that, right? Yeah, but that's how, that's how it was. Every every game we had, uh, you know, I had to bring breakfast to all the linebackers, and I wasn't even making a lot of money, man. That was, that was the thing. I was like, dude, y'all realize what my contract is? It ain't the lot. Because <laughs> you know, we had guys in the league back then making forty five thousand. You know, that yeah. was 
you know, it was that was the, that news that stuff they make now. Do not confuse that with what we were making because we weren't making anybody. Yeah, the the minimum now is crazy. Oh, it's crazy! It is crazy. Four hundred thousand, I believe it is. I think it, like it might be higher than that now. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah, it might be. Well, soon we'll have a couple. We'll have a bunch of college kids making making about that with yeah. the rules for advertising and everything. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand the name, image, likeness thing, but I'm. I'm hey, look, if the kids can make some money off of it, they are putting in a, in a ton of time. Yep. A lot of effort. I, I don't begrudge them, and I wish you guys had gotten paid back in the day. Man, me too. I could have made some money, man. <laughs> How about in uh, Phoenix? Phoenix? Um, I, I keep in touch with um, a few guys there. Robert Massey, uh, who played for the Saints for a number of years. Uh, Eric Hill, who was our inside linebacker. Keep in touch with Ken Harvey. Uh, he's up, and I think he played for Washington for a few more years after he left Phoenix. Um, he was an all-pro, and um, that's about it. Very cool. Well, yeah. Jock, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm glad Tim uh, connected us. Uh, and I, I, I'm I, telling you, I don't know when it's going to happen. Hopefully it can happen the next uh, two or three months, get you and Donnie Morris together. I appreciate it. I would love to do that. You, you, you're a great guy. Donnie's a great guy. Why wouldn't I put you two together? Yeah, that sounds great. I love it. You're, you're the man, Jock. I appreciate Sign you. Me up. This. Yeah, okay. beautiful. Thanks, Jock. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.